you in to First John chapter three. Glory to God. And uh, we have been studying the last three weeks. This is, I guess, this is the fourth week to study First John. Uh, this is unusual for us to just study a whole book of the Bible, but felt like the Holy Spirit was leading us. I know that when I first uh, got filled with the Spirit in 1980, and that was really, I didn't read the Bible. I was saved when I was 10 years old. I went to church faithfully, but had no desire whatsoever to read the Bible. I, did, I shouldn't say I had no desire. I did desire it, but I, it just didn't, I could, I'd read it and nothing it just didn't do anything for me. I, it, nothing spoke to me. And as soon as we got filled with the Holy Ghost, though, immediately, I mean, a hunger for the Word of God came on me, um, and I, I had understanding. It was just like I had new eyes to see. I had understanding, not all full understanding, but I was understanding enough that it was, this was feeding me now. And so really began to enjoy the Bible and have ever since. And... Uh, Praise God. There's so there's layers of revelation in the Bible. So if you think of if I tell you something a verse means, but you think, oh, I think it means this, it probably is both, because there's just layers of revelation in the Word of God, and it'll it, it, it the Bible says what not the Bible, but that song says when we've been there ten thousand years, there's still going to be more to learn, isn't it? We'll have only just begun. Well, hallelujah. We'll just we'll just then be getting into the to the to the good stuff hallelujah praise god so we're going to start with first john chapter three tonight we'll just see how far we get in it it's it's kind of a long chapter 24 verses i i hope we could get all the way but i don't know so let's pray tonight over the word we come before you heavenly father in the mighty name of jesus and we thank you lord god that you're making this word real and clear to us lord you're showing us what it means and how to apply it to our lives and father we commit to you that we're not just hearers of the word but we are doers of the word and i thank you lord god for that Oh, God, we thank you for the eyes of our understanding being enlightened. Lord, we ask you to open up the full will and purposes for our lives through the Word of God. And we give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, are y'all in First John chapter 3? Hallelujah. First, you know, Brother Pastor Buzzy used to say, First Little John. <laughs> so, First Little John. Okay. Um, I, I, I think we'll just do this verse by verse tonight. I, I try to, every week it's like the Holy Ghost leads me different. And I think we won't just read the whole chapter, but we'll start with one verse and we'll, we'll go down. So let's read the first verse. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Uh, we used to sing a scripture song, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you tonight, sons are higher than servants. Maybe you hear people talking about, well, we're servants of God. Not really. If they, You get that from the Old Testament. They were the servants of God. And so, of course we're to have a servant attitude. Don't get me wrong. But we're more than servants. We're sons. And I want to tell you something else. So, uh, sons are higher than friends. You hear, we had a song recently when we had a guest speaker. I didn't like it. It was like, I am the friend of God. I am the friend of God. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. I'm the son of God. Because I want to tell you something. Friends come and friends go. 
Hallelujah. I know it says Moses was the friend of God, but he was an old covenant man. He couldn't be a son of God. As great as Moses was, he could not be a son of God because he could not be born again. You've been made into the image of Jesus Christ. And you are more than a friend. You are a son. Now, certainly we should be on friendly terms with God. Hallelujah. But just because, but we are sons. Hallelujah. And when we get the revelation of what it means to be a son of God, I tell you what, everything in our life will be perfecto. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're, we're higher than servants. We're higher than friends. We are the sons of God. Say, I am, I am. a son of God. And that doesn't matter whether you're male or female. We're all the sons of God. Just kind of like, you, you, know how, you know how that works. And it says here that the world knoweth us not. You know the world cannot figure us out. The world cannot figure us out. Uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's look at a scripture that backs that up. Not that we have to back it up. It's in the Bible. But maybe makes it clearer to us is a better way to say it. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. To us, Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And this, this Bible makes perfect sense to us. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For, we, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world, of the world, to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ, Jesus, who is God, is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man, say natural man, that's the unsaved man. Or it could, well, I'm just going to leave it at that. The unsaved man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So sometimes we go to sinners or we talk to people that have not been born again and we can't really figure out why they don't understand us, why they don't get it. Of course, you know we speak a language they don't even speak. First of all, they don't ex understand a lot of the religious terms. You know, we say, oh, the glory just come in and they don't know how a clue what just came in. You know, or and we perfectly understand. If I told you, Ray, the glory just came in, you'd know exactly what I was talking about. Hallelujah. And then we sing a song. I've got it in my hands. I got it in my feet. I've got it all over. They're thinking, what do y'all got? Athlete's foot or what do y'all got? No, I got it. Ooh, I got the Holy Ghost in my hands. I got the Holy Ghost in my feet. They don't speak our language. And it's foolishness to them. And they just don't get it. You know, and it, they can't figure us out. Verse 2, hallelujah. Beloved, this is in 1 John 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Say now. now. Are we the sons of God? 
not someday, not in the sweet by and by, not going to be. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. Hallelujah. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Hallelujah. I like that part. Um, B, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, I don't believe in evolution, but I tell you one thing I do believe is we're evolving. And the more we mature in Christ, the more we renew our mind, the higher we go. Hallelujah. And you know what? When you are first born again, or if you don't have a renewed mind, if you haven't been busy renewing your mind since you, you know, I went 18 years after I got born again, I didn't renew my mind. And so, um, you know, you don't know what you're going to be. If you don't, you cannot understand what you're going to be until you get your mind renewed. So as we renew our mind, that's how we find out who we are. And that's why he says, it doth not yet appear what ye shall be. And he's also talking about that there over into the millennial reign of Christ. You know, you don't know what you're going to be in the millennium. See, we're, Jesus is going to appear in the sky. We're going to be raptured out of here for seven years. There's going to be tribulation while we're gone. We're going to be learning and, and uh, we're going to learn. You know what we're going to learn in the seven years we're gone? We're going to learn how to rule and reign. And everything you didn't learn here about who you are in Christ, about the new birth, about being a son of God, you're going to learn when you get to heaven. But in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, it talks about how right now what you're doing with your life, what you're doing with the Word, what you're doing with the Spirit, what you're doing is qualifying you for what you shall be. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus is going to come, and part of the reward is going to be an assignment. It's going to be an assignment in the millennial reign. You're going to have a place here on earth that you're going to live. Hallelujah. And you're going to have an assignment in that town or that village or that state. Hallelujah. I, I personally believe God already gave me scripture and verse that I'm, my pastor and I are going to be assigned here in Tuscaloosa County. Hallelujah. Maybe, maybe, may move the capital back to Tuscaloosa. It's been here once. And we may be the governors of the whole state. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm willing. I'm trying to qualify. Hallelujah. Because the things I do with my life now, and some people are not going to be qualified for much. I hope that you're qualifying for more than to be the trash collector during the millennial reign. Um, come on. Let's get with it. Let's get, let's get uh, to living it and breathing it. And hallelujah. Because you want to do more than that during the millennium. Millennium is 1,000 years. You want to do more than that during that. So we're qualifying that. And he's, that's part of what he's talking about in verse 2 there. It doth not yet appear what ye shall be. But when he comes, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for he will, we, will, we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. It says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You know, uh, one of the things that will help us live holy lives and keep our lives pure, and you can help other people with this, 
uh, is if you give them a vision, you know, this hope that's in us of this rapture and this millennial reign, this hope is causing us to want to live pure now. But so many times we don't even have a clear vision of heaven. We get saved and man, our whole vision of heaven is floating around like a chubby little cherub on a cloud with a harp. And I don't even like harp music, do you? I mean, some people may, but I'm particularly, you know, I'd lot rather have a steel guitar <laughs> or something like that. I want something or an organ. Now, I love an organ with good gospel music. Hallelujah. Praise God. But let's, I, you know, a harp? No way. And um, so, but you know, that's really the vision that we've gotten about heaven. And when we don't, when, when that's all we give people, they're not really motivated to live righteously. But we can give them more. We can give them lots more about what heaven's like and what's, uh, uh, what the millennial reign will be like. And then verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, 1 John, the whole book is all about, and this was very confusing to me as a young Christian, didn't understand it because it seemed to me like it contradicted itself. We know we've, we've been over this several times, but in chapter 1, it says, If you say you don't sin, you're a liar. And the truth's not in you. Then when you go to verse chapter 3, we're going to find scriptures that say, uh, that talk about, uh, you don't, if you're born of God, you don't sin. And I'm like, Lord, I'm utterly confused. Which is it? Hallelujah. Do you want me to be a sinner or do you want me not to be a sinner? Hallelujah. And so we're going to clarify this, but the whole book of 1 John is, is, is John's attempt to get us, try, get us to thinking right and to get us... Um, Thinking in the realm of spirit, soul, and body. And if you've never heard a teaching on spirit, soul, and body, we are a three-part being just like, the, the, just, like Jesus, just like God is. A three-part being. God, the Father, God, the, God, Jesus, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And we are spirit, soul, and body. And the part of me that gets saved is my spirit. Hallelujah. That's why when people get saved, oftentimes they, they keep on doing the same old things. I know we tell this story, we've told it before, but it won't, it's good, so we'll tell it again. But Sandy Brown, who is an evangelist, still is an evangelist, she was a playboy bunny, got saved. And she got, boy, she was excited about Jesus, but she got out on the strip in Las Vegas and was witnessing wearing her Playboy bunny suit and did that for a couple of weeks. But why? How could she do that? Because she had, her soul hadn't been renewed. Her mind wasn't renewed. She, you know, she had, the, the Holy Ghost had to teach her. And then when she, you know, one day it dawns on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know when I got filled with the Spirit, I put away some things that I just hadn't seen before. So our, our soul gets saved, in, our, our, excuse me, our spirit gets saved instantly. But our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, have to be renewed by the Word of God. And so we're all in process in our soul. And we're all in here d different levels of mind, re mind renewal. Hallelujah. And then, of course, our bodies are not going to be saved. Hallelujah. Although they're the temple of the Holy Ghost and they're very important. You lose your body and you're out of here. So it's important you keep your body. And, it's, and, and, and you know, when you don't sin, you're going to get to keep it longer. Because sin always leads to sickness. Sin leads to uh, a quick exit. 
Hallelujah. So we want to keep our bodies holy so that we can live longer because this is the temple of the Holy Ghost and it's my only right to stay here. I have to stay here in the earth. Only if, Once I lose my body, I'm out of here. My spirit and my soul are going to heaven. Hallelujah. My soul's going to go with me even though it may not be completely renewed and it's going to have to get finished renewed in heaven. Okay, but we can do a lot of that work down here of that that soul renewal. And so so when people say 10 souls got saved this morning, that's not 100 percent accurate. We don't we're not going to complain about it. But actually, the part that got saved was their spirit. Of course, if they were to die, their soul would go too. so, you know. It, it, but but you have to understand this because when you come to First John, when he, some of the scriptures he's talking about, he's talking about uh, soul, and some of the scriptures he's talking about spirit. Okay, <clears throat> verse five, and we know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So he came to take away sin, and I like that. In him is no sin. Verse six. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. So now if you don't separate right here and decide that, okay, he's talking about my spirit, you're going to say, I must be lost because I just sinned. And whosoever abideth in him don't sin. And so a lot of times we've put people under condemnation. We've looked at people that didn't do right and said, you, ought to, you need to get saved, even though they may have done right in a hundred other areas, but they've got this one sin problem. We say, well, you're not saved because you've got one area of sin, which does not make sense because even though we know we're saved, we, we all have areas of sin. Even not to walk in love is sin, folks. And so what we've had to do is we've had to divide sin up into poor, to, and we've had to say, well, now adultery, if you're doing that, you're for sure going to hell. And if you're, but if you're just lying little white lies, you won't go to hell. But if, and if you're just being mean to all your kids, you won't go to hell for that because, you know, God understands their brats. And, you know, you know, and it's this sin thing we're having divided up and we have to say, well, one sin's worse than another sin. But that's not true. God hates all sin. And God's, and, and it, all, it doesn't say, well, certain sins, uh, you know, it says the wages of sin is death. It doesn't say, well, certain sins, the wages of that is death. But it, it, it says sin, the wages of sin is death. You know, it also says that whatever's not of faith is sin. Have you ever done something not in faith? Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, so, uh, so what he's talking about there, I hope I've made it clear to you, is in verse um, 6, is whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. That's talking about our spirit man. Our spirit man. That's the only place where you don't sin. Is after you're born again. Now before you're born again, your spirit is dead. And your father is the devil. But after you're born again, you're a son of God. And in your spirit, 
you don't sin. We go over this a lot in, in Bible college, how your spirit man, after you're born again, Ephesians says you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. And it, and you, it does, sin does not penetrate your heart. Verse 7, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Um, so uh, somebody's asked me before, how do you tell if somebody is a, is a Christian? And, uh, uh, and, you know, they may say they are, but how do you really tell? Well, we watch for righteousness. And even more than that, we watch for a desire for righteousness. You know, uh, the Bible talks about how we'll know them by their fruit, you know. And so sometimes people, uh, there's no sign of righteousness, even though, and I'll have to use an example from our own family, and you don't know them because they're in Texas, but um, hallelujah, you know some of them because they come and visit, but you don't know all of them. We've got some hid back there that we're not ever letting come, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. But anyway, pastor's got some relatives, I'm going to pick on his side of the family, hallelujah, but pastor's got some relatives, and they're decent people. They, they're law-abiding. They've raised three kids. The kids are fairly decent. There's nothing, anything you could really say bad about them, but, the, but you cannot find any sign of really righteousness in their life. There's no signs of love. There's no signs of uh, wanting to help people. You know, and sometimes then, and then, okay, oh, let's go to my side. Then in, on my side of the family out there in Texas, we have a, a few members that they are Christians. Now, he's got some Christian family too, but this was another part. Uh, I've got a, some family that are Christians, and they have had big sin. They've messed up bad, badly. I can tell you I've got family that could be gossiped about. And, uh, you know, we have family that's been in adultery, and we've had family that has done some bad things. I do. And... Uh, but when you look at the fruit of their life, even though they've messed up, you can see that they still have this pull of righteousness to do right. They, 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 they want to do right. Whereas that other family members that I was talking about, you don't see any ever any pull, ever any desire to do right. But in our family, my family that's messed up really big, not set a good example of Christianity many times, yet there's this heart that wants to love. There's this heart that wants to give. You know, uh, there's this uh, tenderheartedness towards God. And so what I'm telling you, family, is uh, it's part, first of all, it's not just about saying you're a Christian. A lot of people say they're Christians, and they're really probably not Christian. Uh, and I, I'd say that because they say 80% of America says we're Christian. And uh, so that's probably not everybody in there is truly Christian. So when we look for what we're looking for is, uh, and you know, sometimes you just have to take people's word for it. If they say, I'm a Christian, well, you have to take their word for it. But if you're, if you're searching in your hearts, and I know I've done this many times, is sometimes we're wanting their whole life to be perfect. But then we look back at ourselves and we go, but not, you know, not everything in my life is perfect either. And, you know, we judge other people sometimes harder than ourselves. Or sometimes we look and they've had a major blowout in there. You know, you pastor goes to jail every Tuesday night. And you know what? In, in B3, those guys are born again. And, you know, they, had, they didn't do everything right. And you know what? Some of them were born again when they committed that crime. 
They just got in with the wrong crowd. They just made a stupid decision and hung around with stupid people, and it got them in trouble. Hallelujah. But they were born again. They were raised by a Christian mama. And, uh, you know, hallelujah. But these guys, Pastor talks about um, how, you know, when he talks about their kids, they, they're emotional. They're tender-hearted. When they talks about their wives, they're emotional. They're tender-hearted. So we look for those signs of righteousness. Even though their minds are, may not be renewed, they don't know how to do right. They don't know how to get right back on the right path. You know, uh, hallelujah. The longer they can stay in jail, they all want out. Oh, they want out. They want out now. But I'm like, God, the longer you can keep them there, and the longer pastor can go, the more he can get their mind renewed, the less likely they are to go back. Hallelujah. And they're now, just about everybody in those cells are uh, saved and, and on fire and enthusiastic and hungry for the word. Now, but then there's some, he says, that hide out and won't come out of the cells. They stay up there, you know, and so we see those things where there's no sign of righteousness. I don't know if I'm making that clear. It's clear as a bell to me, though. Okay, verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Okay, we can take this verse two ways. We can say, we can say whosoever, and without doing damage to the Scripture, not just whosoever committeth sin, is of the devil, but whosoever's a sinner, if just habitually practices sin, is of the devil, because the devil sinned from the beginning. Or we can take this verse this way, is that not just, but when we sin, you know, it's not God we're following. We're following the wrong person when we say, or not person, but the wrong entity. We're following the devil when we sin. We're listening to the wrong voice. We're not following the Spirit. We're not being led of the Spirit. And the devil is helping. The devil always wants to help your flesh sin. Your flesh, the flesh, you can't trust it really. You have to train it, but we can't. That, don't ever think you're so mighty and so spiritual you could never sin. We have to keep our, our, our flesh under guard all the time. Or it could go off in sin. And the devil, and the devil would help us. He would, he, he, you know, he talks to, um, and I think sometimes the ones that encounter this the most are baby Christians, even our youth. Man, they're at an age where they're saved, they're born again, but the flesh is talking, it's the hormones are talking, and the devil is helping it. He's talking in their ear, and of course all the, in, all the kids around them who who aren't trying to do righteousness, is trying to help them too. But what do you do? Lock them in the bedroom for 10 years until they grow out of it, till they're 25 in the brain. You know, they've proved that the brain's not fully formed till 25. Hallelujah. Okay, so, um, and then I like this last part. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. You say, well, Debbie, I look out and I see works of the devil all the time. Why, you know, people's houses get broke into. That's a work of the devil. Filling stations get robbed. That's a work of the devil. Yeah, but that's not what he's talking about. He talked, he, you know what he came to destroy? He came to destroy that work of the devil that happened in the Garden of Eden where we were born under sin 
And he came to destroy that work of the devil so we don't have to have that dead spirit anymore. Because no matter how much Moses and Abraham and David and Solomon loved God, they still carried around a dead spirit. They did. They did. And what they did, though, is they chose with their soul to follow God. They chose with their soul to believe God. But I was reading in the Psalms this morning how one Psalm where David said, David said, the iniquity in me is fighting me. And see, we don't have iniquity in us fighting us anymore. Now, before you were born again, you did. But when you got born again, you don't have iniquity fighting you. You may have outside thoughts and outside forces, but your spirit's not fighting you and trying to make you sin. And David said it himself. He said, David, King David said, the iniquity in me is fighting me. Oh, God, help me. With his soul, he was choosing God. But he could never, David could never overcome completely because he, he had a dead spirit. And so he was fighting that sin, that iniquity. That's what was inside of him in his spirit, man. We don't have that. We're free. And when we choose sin, hallelujah, it's not our spirit choosing it. Our spirit's trying to tell us, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. But our soul is being enticed. You can even come under us. Uh, the, the Lord gave me this word this morning. You know it says somewhere that they came under strong delusion. And there's people that will come that can come under a strong delusion of the devil and start believing crazy stuff, you know. And that's in their mind, of course. And then there's people, that, and then all of our flesh, you know, the flesh wants its own way. The flesh wants to indulge in everything, no matter how wicked it wants to indulge. The flesh is curious. You know, you'll see a little thing on a magazine you maybe you know you just saw it at the barber shop or the beauty shop, and uh, it's like uh, oh, 15 ways to do this, and it'll be something lewd, you know. And you're going, oh, I really wonder what that says. <laughs> I know why it's happened to me. I mean that that Cosmopolitan's laying there, and and they always got something pitiful on the front, and it's like I really wonder what that says. <laughs> you know, that's my my flesh is curious to know, you know. And I'm like, no, get thee behind me. I'm throwing that, you know, hallelujah. Praise God. Did you read, did you hear this? How dumb can you get and still breathe? That the National Enquirer is up for a Pulitzer Prize. Jesus, help us. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I mean, can you believe it? Uh, verse 9. Me and Pastor just, we, could, we about got down over that. Whosoever is born of God, verse 9, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. What's he talking about? Every one of you is born of God in here, and I bet you anything in the last three days you've sinned. I mean, I was telling uh, Ray and Michelle before the service that I think it was one or two services ago, I said something about let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And that was about the last, did I say that? Did I say something about that? Does anybody remember it? Okay. And then I walked right over there and said something. Eric heard me. I had to repent. I mean, I didn't even get that far before I was like, here came the corrupt communication out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you know why the corrupt, well, I won't tell you why it was, it was you'd think she, let, you know, the, oh, hallelujah. Um, but, um, <clears throat> 
So our, it's our spirit. My spirit didn't sin though. Hallelujah. And thank God I can come under 1 John 1, 9, get my soul restored. Okay. Uh, and it says here, why does he not commit sin? And this really explains spirit to us. For his seed remaineth in him. Now tell me, where is God's seed in us? Where is it? It's in our spirit. It's not in our head. God's seed's not out there in my fingers and my toes, my body. God's spirit's in my, God's seed is in my spirit. And that's where I cannot commit sin. He says, because his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Write in your Bible, if you don't, if you write in your Bible and you need to, write spirit man by that verse. Because every time you read it, then you'll remember that it's coming out of the spirit man. Verse 10, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. So there's some things that we can go by. When there's never any righteousness in their lives, no signs of righteousness, and when they do not love the brothers in Christ. You know, there's a lot of people, oh, we're Christian, and we just stay home though on Sunday. And they don't care nothing about the brothers and sisters in Christ. Probably not Christian. You know? And you know, uh, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but I just hate them hypocrites at the church. I tell you, you read First John, you'll go, that man's not a Christian or that person's not a Christian. They hate the hypocrites at the church. Because you may know we're all hypocrites, but if you're a Christian, you'll still love us. Hallelujah. Well, I'm a Christian, but I hate them Pentecostals. Or I'm a Christian, I hate them Baptists. You know, hallelujah. No, we love, we, if we're Christian, if we're really born again, hallelujah, we'll love our uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, hallelujah. Verse 11, it says that in verse 11, it talks about, uh, for this is the message that you heard from, he, from the beginning, that we should love one another. So loving the brethren and loving God are the two of the main fruits where you can tell if somebody's Christian. Loving the brethren and loving God. Hallelujah. Verse 12, he talks here, You're not as Cain, who was that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Okay, it talks here about Cain and Abel. And it talks about, uh, and you know, let's, let's clarify this. These were Old Testament men. Neither one of them were born again. Neither one. Because you couldn't be. Jesus hadn't been to the cross. Okay, so they weren't born again. They had dead spirits. But one of them, Abel, with his soul man, was choosing to do right. He was choosing to have good works. And the other one, with his same soul, his chooser, his will, he was choosing evil things. Hallelujah. And, uh, and in the old covenant, God went a lot by works. In the new covenant, he doesn't go so much by works. Hallelujah. And here's, a, here's something that, that's the same, though, from the Old Covenant to the New, is evil always hates righteousness. You got somebody at work that hates you for no reason? Guess why? And they don't even have to... You may never said you as a Christian. You may never even got given... You may just got there yesterday, and, and they don't even know what you are yet. But you know what? They pick, the devil in them picks it up. And, they, and, and they'll start hating you for no reason. Have you ever had anybody hate you for no reason? Or dislike you intensely? Maybe it was probably hate and you were just hoping it was only dislike. Um, this is the same. Evil always persecutes righteousness. 
If you see somebody righteous and they're getting persecuted, guess why? Guess why? Because the people that are persecuting them are evil and they're righteous. And they don't even have to be, you know, they don't have to be goody two-shoes or something like that. They may just be born again. I know uh, they talk about this a lot on the Fox News Network. And Bill O'Reilly, he just goes on and on and on about it. Why are they, why do they, why do they, why do they come against Sarah Palin all the time? And he asked everybody, all the consultants, you know, that he consults with, why is this, why is, why did they fight her so? Why do they do everything against her? Why? Why do they do that? He can't figure it out. He's a good Catholic guy. Uh, Bill O'Reilly is. I think he's, you probably saved. I mean, I think he is. And, but he's like, why did, he, he hadn't figured it out. Why do they hate her? Why do they hate her, folks? Is it because, I mean, she's just a lady from Alaska who has four cute kids, and I mean, they persecute her on every talk show, every late night person. They that on those comedies, animated things like, I saw this on TV, not because I watched this, but that one called Family Guy, they persecuted her and her little Down syndrome boy. Why do they hate her? It should tell you about some people, about those people that are doing it. What? They're evil. And evil always persecutes righteousness. Now, we can find that in the Bible in Galatians 4, 28. <clears throat> Galatians 4, 28. It's important we know this because sometimes we just take things so personal. Well, why do they hate me? Why are they picking on me at work? You know, we need to brush it off, folks, and say, well, they hate me because, and you know, you are not, if you're going to walk, the, this actually says this in the Bible somewhere, if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to encounter persecution. If you are encountering persecution somewhere, you're probably not really living godly enough for anybody to notice. Hallelujah. I mean, our next door neighbors moved in beside us, and they hated us. That might be too strong. They dislike us intensely and avoid us at all costs from the day they moved in. Before we said a word to them, why would that be? Hallelujah. I don't know why it would be to y'all. Can y'all figure it out? Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not trying to, praise God, bring any... Um, I'm at Galatians 4.28. I'm going to help you here. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. I say, I'm a children of promise. I'm a child of promise. But as them, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. And that's why, uh, born, uh, that's why, the Middle East persecutes Israel. The Middle East came out of Ishmael. Israel came out of Isaac. Israel, uh, Ishmael persecuted Isaac. All of this fighting, all of this war, it'll never end till Jesus comes back and rules and reigns on the earth. Is all about the fact that evil 
persecutes righteousness. The children of the flesh, he was, a fle he was born out of the flesh. It was a flesh plan. It was not a God plan when Abraham and Sarah had, uh, and you know, they're both guilty, not just Sarah. Uh, when they had Ishmael, it was a flesh plan. But Isaac was a God plan. He was a child of faith. He was a child of promise. He was a child that came as a result of them standing on the promises of God and, and by faith receiving their child. Hallelujah. And so they'll always hate Israel. I don't care how many peace treaties you sign. You know, it's crazy. I mean, because I don't care if they sign it in blood. I don't care what they do. I don't care if they crucify themselves to bring peace to Israel. It will not happen. Hallelujah. And the same with us. We fall over into that because we've been born of promise. We've been born of the Spirit by the new birth. We will get persecuted. Hallelujah. And I think sometimes we blame things on, on other things, but hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Especially a person, the stronger the hate has been built in them, the more that can happen. Okay, let's look. Okay, I got to get back to 1 John because I got out. 1 John chapter 3. And let's look at verse 13. He said, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Everybody say, Marvel not. You better quit marveling <laughs> that the world hates you. Hallelujah. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. You know, we can examine ourselves here and say, do we love the brethren? Do we love the brethren? Now, not loving the brethren can, can come two ways. I know it, there was a time in my life when I really loved the brethren. I tell you, I really love y'all. I really, really love you. But there was a time in my life when I just couldn't let it flow. You know what I'm saying? Not since I've lived here, even though you may think that. But actually, I got over that in Seminole. You know, hallelujah. They put up with me in the old days out there. They get a crown in heaven for that. Um, so, but there was a time in my life when I just couldn't uh, let it flow, even though I really loved. So, you know, not everybody that can't show you love just like you think it is doesn't mean they don't love you. Okay, so let's clarify that. But, you know, we can examine ourselves and say, do I love the brethren? Because this should be one of the main characteristics of us living right with God is we love him and we love the brethren. Boy, I can't get enough of the brethren. I tell you, I'd rather be with y'all on Christmas than the kinfolks. I'd rather be with y'all on Thanksgiving than the kinfolks. Hallelujah, you know, we do necessary things. But to tell you the truth, except for my kids, I'm just like, I got to be with the brethren. I don't, I don't need these. I don't need these other relationships like now. Like I need to be with the brethren. Hallelujah. Um, another thing I thought about, you know, my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, Granny Hicksy. I've talked about her a lot. Now you talk about letting the love flow. With all her faults, and she did have faults, her major fault was her and Grand Grand stayed in strife all the time. They bickered. They, inter they bickered for entertainment. It wasn't serious bickering, but it was just, you know, all the time. Dull, she'd say. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. He picked on her, she picked on him. They're Christians. But boy, she let the love flow. 
Woo, I tell you, she loved people. She loved God's people. She loved people. She wanted to get people saved. But Grand Grand, he he had a, just a trickle flowing out of him of love. It was a trickle, I'm telling you. He Now, the people he loved, they could do no wrong. I could do anything. It wouldn't have mattered. But he just barely had enough love for the other three grandkids. Just a little love. He loved me. And then the same, you know, I got pregnant with Eric, and he said... Now, I'm not trying to hurt Eric's feelings, but he knows this. He said, I just don't know if I can love another grandson like I love Colin. And we said, oh, grand, grand, there's enough love to go around. Of course, when he got Eric, he really, really loved him. But he was like that. He couldn't let it flow. Listen, there's enough love in us. You know, sometimes people are stingy with their love. Like, well, if I give you too much love, I wouldn't have enough left over for my kids and my grandkids. No, there's, the more you give it, the more it flows. Hallelujah. And so he really loved Eric after he got here. But, you know, he was just struggling with going getting that. Of course, they were five and a half years apart. So he was used to just one. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> praise God. But Grand Grand, he was a kind that, you know, if he loved you, you could do no wrong. But if he, if you were just on his okay list, like one time pastor said something to him he didn't like, he took him 10 years to forgive him. 10 years. Hallelujah. Hey, but he tolerated him because he loved me. Hallelujah. I was the first granddaughter. It's like the first one that came out. He loved them. And he was, I was the first grandchild. Okay. So uh, there's enough love. And this is one of the signs in us. Okay. So I was going to just encourage you to let your love flow. Verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Okay. So... Um, if I hate my brother in Christ and I truly, truly hate them, then I'm not saved. But so many times people say they hate something and hate somebody and it's just their head talking. It's not really their heart talking. You know, Brother Hagin said one time he went to a church and this, the pastor's wife and the pastor went out with him after the meeting and he had been preaching on love. And he, she said, she said, Brother Hagen, I got to confess to you, I hate my mother-in-law. And, and uh, so he said, well, now, wait a minute. He said, okay, now I want you to do something for me. I want you to say out loud again, I hate my mother-in-law, but when you say it, I want you to look down in here and see what's happening, down in here. And so she said, I hate my mother-in-law. And so he said, okay, what happened right down in here? And she says, well, I felt something scratching. <laughs> in her spirit, she felt something scratching. And he said, you know, you don't hate your mother-in-law. In your heart of hearts, you love your mother-in-law. That's just your head. And she said, she sat there a minute and she said, Oh, Brother Hagin, you know you're right. I really do love her. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, our head can get to talking because of because sometimes people don't act good. Hallelujah. We don't act good sometimes. I'm thankful my kids can love me. I hope they can. Past all the times that I didn't act good. Amen, don't y'all? I'm so thankful that Pastor can love me all past all the times that I didn't act good. You know, three or four times a day. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, not too bad, but hell, uh, praise God. So uh, praise God. Uh, but if we truly hate somebody, the Bible says we're a murderer. And, the, and the, here's what it says. 
And, and when you think about this, no murder has ever has eternal life in us. So somebody that goes out in the street and murders this somebody, I want to tell you something. I don't care what they say, they're not born again. The only way that that could be maybe not true is if they were really, really, really sick in their head. Not just, well, I'm going to take an insanity plea. Not just that. Because, you know, some, any lawyer can prove that and it don't mean nothing. Hallelujah. But really, you can't, here's my point. You can't murder somebody if Jesus is in you. You couldn't do it. You might think about it. You might want to. You might even think they deserve it, but you couldn't. Now, however, in America, we've gotten all things confused. And now we, you, you know, you get charged with murder if you just, somebody's breaking into your house or, and you kill them. You can get charged with murder and, you know, but just because you got charged with it don't mean that God called it murder. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean it came out of hate. It probably came out of love. Hallelujah. And your love for your children overwhelmed their hate. And, and you know what? I tell you what. There's a lot of people that have had to pay for a lot of things, but justice will be served. Because God is a just God. You know, uh, I recently, we heard on the news, we heard this on the news. There was this lady in Oklahoma, and she had a gun pointed at somebody trying to break in her house. Her husband was working shift work. She lived out in the country somewhere in Oklahoma. And somebody was trying to break in her house. And she's talking to 911. They played this on TV. Anybody hear that? Where she And she said, she said, he's coming in, and I'm telling you, I've got this gun. And if he comes in here, I am going to shoot him. I promise you, I don't want to shoot him. It went on for a long time. I don't want to shoot him, but I'm telling you, I will. And she was just, well, ma'am, we're sending somebody. We're sending somebody. And she says, listen, he's getting closer. He's getting in, and I am going to shoot him. And about that time, you heard bang, bang, and he was gone. Hallelujah. But in Oklahoma, you know, that's perfectly legal, so there was nothing, no questions asked. It is. It's legal to do that in Oklahoma. If they're coming in your house, and I'd have done the same thing. My husband was on shift work. You live out in the country. If you lived in Buell, they couldn't get there for 45 minutes. You just, they don't get here very fast. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're going to have to do something. Hallelujah. But we're going to just, we're going to call on the holy angels. Uh, <clears throat> praise God. And you know, I've already thought this through. <laughs> Pastor will not, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I thought, okay, I'm going to call on the holy angels, but I'm going to get that gun, but I'm not going to load it, but I'm going to point it and I'm going to say, now I'm going to fire this angels and you make it seem like something shot. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about all that. Okay. Verse 19. Because I'm scared to load it is my point. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm kind of like Barney Five. It's like I might shoot my foot off or something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And hereby we know that we are of the truth. Verse 19. Uh, am I at verse 19? No, I don't think so. I'm verse 17. But uh, let's see. We might just quit. Let's quit. Let's quit. And let's pray. Hallelujah. I should have ended on a spiritual note because we could have prayed better. But instead of a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Instead of talking about Barney Five. Praise God. Let's come up around the altar. Let's dim the lights and play some music. And you know, you can solve a lot of things just coming around the altar and praying. Hallelujah. Things that are on your heart tonight, you just come up around the altar and ask Jesus to, to help you take care of that, to show you the white wisdom and the way. Hallelujah. Praise God.
We're going to get those dim lights. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.